As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. In early April 1977, one of the worst floods to ever hit Appalachia happened resulting in death and destruction across the region. Today, we tell the story of the Great Flood of 77. Hello, folks. I'm Steve Gilley, along with Rod Mullins, and you're listening to Stories, A History of Appalachia. You know, I've been wondering for a long time when we were going to do a script concerning the flood of 1977. And, you know, a lot of people will go back and look at floods and saying the Great Flood of 58 and so forth. But... The one in 77 was a great big flood. Well, the thing about the one in 1977 was that it was so widespread. We did one about the the one in 1916 in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Then you had other ones that might have been in Kentucky or up in West Virginia. This was everywhere from North Carolina through Tennessee, through Virginia, through Kentucky, through West Virginia. It was one great soggy mess. Wow. Well, the winter of 1976-77 was a rough one in the Appalachian region. It was cold and, for the first time in a few years, very, very snowy. So snowy, in fact, schools were called off probably more than they were in session across the region. Mm -hmm. As spring came, those snows began to melt, feeding the creeks and rivers that run in those mountains. But while the cold left, the moisture remained, with those constant snows becoming constant rains. Then, in early April, massive rains came to Appalachia, and with it came the flood. Starting on April 2nd, a massive rainstorm came to East Tennessee, southeast Kentucky, southwest Virginia, and southern West Virginia, triggering probably the worst flooding ever seen in that part of Appalachia, killing 21 people in those states. According to the National Weather Service, record flooding occurred on the Tug and Levisa Forks of the Big Sandy River on the border of Kentucky and West Virginia. Record floods also came to the Upper Cumberland River, the Guyandotte River, and the Clinch and Powell Rivers, with severe flooding on the North Fork of the Kentucky River and the Holston River. The flooding led to 15 counties in the eastern part of the state being declared disaster areas by the federal government. With the flooding came damage to property in addition to loss of life. 
The city of Pikeville was estimated to have over $71 million in damages and lost revenue due to the flooding. Downstream in Floyd County, floodwaters reached a depth of 9 feet on Main Street in Martin with one death, 117 businesses destroyed or severely damaged countywide, with nearly 1,000 families suffering losses. Harlan, which sits along the Cumberland River, saw devastation as well. At the height of the flooding, the Cumberland River reached a level of 34 feet in the town, and there was widespread damage to homes and businesses and to roads and bridges. Worse yet for folks in the town, the uh, sewer treatment plant flooded. There were five deaths in Harlan County, with 600 homes destroyed and over 2,000 families suffering some kind of loss. Things were so bad in Harlan County that the sheriff, Billy G. Williams, declared martial law till order could be restored. Well, over in Pineville, the levee and the flood wall was breached by the historically high flood, leaving 15 feet of floodwaters in the town, along with three people being killed and 1,500 families suffering loss in Bell County. The town of Barbersville was evacuated as a precaution, but the levees held there. Over in Tug Valley, Williamson, West Virginia was devastated, suffering $200 million in damages and 2,000 people left homeless. The flood wiped out dozens of businesses and homes in the valley, starting the slow decline of the West Virginia coal fields that continues to this day. And Matewan, West Virginia, which sits along the Tug Fork too, had a reputation as the most frequently flooded town in America, and 1977 was no different. The Tug came out of its banks at Matewan and all but wiped out the town, leaving 10 feet of water in every downtown building and sweeping away dozens of houses. Matewan was the hardest hit of the towns along the Tug Fork, by the way, with electricity, water, and phone service knocked out for weeks. Flooding was so bad in southeastern Kentucky that some students in Leslie County's community of hell for certain, and no folks were not making that name up, had mm-hmm. no other option but to go to school by boat when the flood wiped out all the bridges leading from hell for certain and the county seat where the school was. Army boats ferried the stranded students across the river to go to school until a new bridge could be built. By the way, the place is named for Hell for Certain Creek, a tributary of the Kentucky River, which might give you an idea of how widespread flooding has been in that part of Appalachia for years. As the floodwaters rose, the media in Appalachia responded with warnings and information about where to seek shelter or assistance. In the town of Harlan, radio station WHLN stayed on the air well past their usual sign-off time and would have stayed on continuously, but for the floodwaters. The station made it till around 2 a.m., helping listeners connect with loved ones and providing vital information. Then, after midnight, the floodwaters began surrounding the building that housed the WHLN studios. As the waters rose, the decision was made to sign off and evacuate the building. So the staff left by the way of the fire escape where they stepped into a Harlan County rescue squad boat and were taken to safety. Wow. Now let me share a personal story with y'all back at that time. I was my first year in college. I was working in radio at radio station WNVA in Norton. They uh, also remained on the air with me there Uh, Staying on for the entire night since massive flooding didn't happen in downtown Norton. What happened with me is I I left home in Big Stone Gap and came up through Powell Valley, and it was already getting pretty bad up there. And Rod, I thought I wasn't going to be able to make it, but the state troopers let me through. 
And so I headed on up to uh, Norton with another one of the disc jockeys in my car. So the two of us just relayed news about the floods along with information about school and work closings and shelter information in between songs that we played all night, along with passing personal messages for folks to call their loved ones and let them know they were okay. But that was um, that was a harrowing experience, let me tell you. Wow. It sounds that way. I mean, but, you know, letting you through and everything to go on to the radio station, at least the troopers knew there was some, there was some importance of the reason why you had to get there helping other people out because it was, I guess, the only form of media at that time. There was no social media or anything like that. Mm -hmm. This was the only way people were able to stay in touch with one another. Yeah, that's true. And, And schools were out too. I believe you were telling me about that before the podcast. Right. Back in April of uh, 77, I remember I was in grade school. I was a student at, uh, if I'm not mistaken, Long's Fork Elementary. And I recall that uh, the devastation down in Hayside, McClure, Nora, some of those areas over in Dickinson County, Hayside especially, were devastated so bad that uh, I think we were out for something in the neighborhood of maybe about two or three weeks, something like that, of school. And, you know, you mentioned at the beginning of this podcast You know, we'd had a lot of heavy snow that Mm -hmm. year, too. If I'm not mistaken, that was the same year also. We went out for school. We were supposed to have uh, gone out for Christmas break about that time, and it started pouring the snow then, and we were supposed to get uh, treat bags to, uh, to take home for Christmas. Well, the treat bags ended up having to stay at the school. We ended up missing the rest of December, of course, because of break. But we ended up missing the entire month of January and a little bit of February as well. And when we got back, the stink from those bags, (laughs) from the fruit bags and the treats were bad enough. And so it was – those were – those were some – some weird times back in those days. And I can remember we missed, I think at least a good month and a half of school. And, you know, now that you have these days built in, you know, something big has to happen in order for you to miss all of these days now. But, uh, this was, this was a unique one time. Well, if you want to call it one time, big event. Well, that's the way they did things back in the stone age. So, yeah. That's, That's true. <laughs> all I can say. Back in the back in the Flintstone years. <laughs> well, you know, the flooding though, it, it actually was worse the higher up you went into the mountains. As you uh-huh. just said, you were in Dickinson County. And as you get farther up into uh, places like Buchanan County and then over into Pike County, it was really, really bad. And the two examples that we've got to share with you. First off, in Buchanan County, during that April flooding, the town of Grundy saw six feet of water covering the business district, which sat along the Levisa River. Three people died as a result, and the town sustained $15 million in damages, which by all rights should have wiped it off the map. But the folks in Grundy and Buchanan County are a tough lot, which I think you'll agree with me, won't you, Rod? Mm-hmm. And they fought their way back. Six years after the flood, a new congressman was elected in the 9th District of Southwest Virginia, Democrat Rick Boucher defeated Republican Congressman Bill Wampler the previous fall. After Boucher was sworn in, he began the process of getting federal funding to flood-proof Grundy in hopes of preventing any future devastation. The feds approved a $200 million project, providing Grundy secured funding of 25% of that amount, or $50 million in matching funds. And with Boucher's help, the town convinced the Commonwealth of Virginia to put that amount in through VDOT, the State Department of Transportation, 
as a project to widen US-460 through Buchanan County with the help of the Army Corps of Engineers. Once the funding was secured, the uh, folks in Buchanan County began to quite literally move mountains, didn't they, Rod? Yes, they did, as VDOT bought the old Grundy Business District, which ran alongside the Levisa River, and then demolished it to make an eight-foot levee to protect the county courthouse and a portion of the town that was deemed historic. On top of that levee, the department built the new U.S. 460 as a four-lane highway. The fill needed for this levee and road came from the mountain that sat across the river from the courthouse. The operative word here is being set, for the mountain is no more. Because what's left of this mountain was a huge, flat plain, which was destined to be the new business district of the town. Now, Steve, we've got to say this. It mm-hmm. was an innovative partnership, but it took a long time to complete this. Yeah. But before it was all over with, the town allowed Walmart to build a huge superstore with a parking garage on that plot of land inside of which local businesses would be allowed to lease space. That is such an innovative idea. I'm telling you what, that that was one way to at least get an anchor store in there, you know? That's true. And, and you know, there's a lot of people that go over there to this day, even from Dickinson County and some mm-hmm. of the other surrounding counties, even though they may have a Walmart in their hometown, a lot of people go to uh, to Grundy just to be able to shop there and also marvel at what they did to move all those mountains around there. Now, at the same time, on the other side of the Virginia-Kentucky state line, Pikeville, Kentucky, was already in the process of moving the Levisa Fork from its looping channel around the town to a straighter one through what became the largest earth cut in North America, larger even than the cut that made the Panama Canal, which was designed to limit the flooding in the Pikeville area. That project, too, required the moving of mountains and left a four-lane highway in its place. But, Rod, as you were telling me, uh, the devastation that happened in Pikeville was probably even worse than what happened in Grundy. Yes, it was, because, I mean, my dad has talked to me about the way that flooding would always take place in Pikeville. I had an uncle that lived there, and I also had a great-grandmother that lived in Pikeville. I had my uncle actually lived in Shelbyana, there where they had the uh, the uh, train yard from where the Santa train comes from. And, uh, you know, that whole bottom there in Shelby Gap or at Shelby Anna was flooded at one time. All of that was flooded and the train yard was underwater. Then you had Pikeville underwater. It was so bad in Pikeville that the story was that the courthouse with all of the records, the vital records, uh, things of births and deaths and so forth, if they weren't copied and made and then sent on to Frankfurt, all of these records were washed off when the courthouse was just literally washed off its foundation and just sent down the Levisa River, never to be found again. And so, I mean, they had to start all over again pretty much in Pikeville. And what they've accomplished today uh, with moving that, I mean, hey, you've got some some very big things there in Pikeville now. And, of course, uh, the hospital has taken advantage of that as well. Uh, But it's, it's completely different from what it used to be back in 1977. Now, let's go on across another state line into West Virginia for one final story about things that have happened as a result of the flood. Matewan, West Virginia, which, by the way, Rod suffered another big flood in 1984 and, as we said earlier, had a reputation as the most frequently flooded town in America. So the Army Corps of Engineers put in a massive flood wall, 30 feet tall, around the town. 
Now, the wall had massive steel doors that could close and shut out any water from getting into the town. It was completed in 1997. It stretches 2,350 feet over a half mile along the Tug Fork. And this wall contains a pedestrian path and artwork depicting the colorful history of one of the most famous little towns in Appalachia. And Steve, one more thing about Pikeville too, if mm-hmm. I'm not mistaken. Okay. Pikeville has a little thing of where you can go now. It's a sort of an overlook, so to speak, of yes. the way that the way that Pikeville used to look at one time, or at least kind of shows you. And at one time, I had talked with uh, some people down at a local coating company down in Pikeville, BitSource, and they were developing one of those apps of where you could go and you could take your cell phone up and you see the way that the mountain is now and the way that they moved all of the mountain to be able to cut this out. But the plan was to develop one of those uh, virtual apps to where you take your phone up and you scan a code and then you get to see what the mountain looked like, at least by records back going maybe I think 200, maybe 300 years before all of this stuff was done in Pikeville in 77 when they started on the project of cleaning all this out and cutting through the mountain to uh, save Pikeville from being flooded again. Oh, my goodness. That sounds interesting. Did they ever actually deploy that? I don't know if they have or not. I know they had a grant at one time from the uh, Tourism Council or the committee down there in Pikeville to do that, and I think they were very close. I think they uh, they did deploy it eventually as uh, being able to use that. So they had that in one of those displays there at the Overlook, and you just take it with your phone. And if your phone's got one of those things of – uh, I'm trying to remember the term here is what they call it now, but it's almost like one of those things of when you, uh, bring out the little dancing people on your screen or uh-huh. whatever it is, that's when it gives you the idea of the way the mountains used to look at one time before they started cleaning everything out. Okay. Wow. Well, now I went up there about two years ago and I've got some pictures from the overlook itself. So what I'll do is I'll pick one of those and I'll post it as the picture that goes along with this podcast, which you can find at www.storiespodcast.net. Yeah, that would be great. That'd be a great way for people to be able to see those uh, pictures of what it looks like now. And I was just recently down there, probably oh within the last month or so. And uh, I'm telling you, it's just it's amazing to see how they've how they cut, how things have been changed. You know, they even have almost it's something that rivals almost like a super highway right in there and stuff that interchange mm-hmm. of going yes. down into Pikeville. Oh, wow. It's just, it's incredible what they've done. And folks, that's the story of the massive flood of 1977. Another part of the history of this place we call home Appalachia. Thanks for listening. Now you can subscribe to the stories podcast in many ways at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, etc., etc. But we recommend Radio Public. And why, you might say? Well, Radio Public supports the podcasts that are on their app. All you do is go download the Radio Public app, listen to your favorite podcast, and that podcast will get a share of the advertising revenue generated by Radio Public. It's a good way to show your support for not just us, but for all the podcasts that you like listening to. And it doesn't cost you anything but a little bit of your time. Again, thanks for listening, and thanks for sharing our stories with your friends. Till next we meet, I'll take care. So long, everybody.
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.